You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts, and I am here with my friend and co-host, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you? I am awesome, Wendy. How you doing? Oh, I am living a dream, buddy, as always. Of course you are. Of course you are. Especially today, right? Especially today. So I am super, super excited about today's podcast because we have two of our new friends that we met actually when we were doing our Perform Better conference in Germany. Um, we are going to have James Breeze as well as Josh Kennedy joining us today from Strength Matters. And they have their own podcast, um, which we're going to discuss and we're going to talk a lot about. But just to give you a little brief background about both of them, James is coming to us from Wales, which you're going to tell by his accent. And he is an author. He's a speaker, podcaster, blogger. He's an incredible, like incredible man. He is doing a lot of amazing things for athletes that are over 30. And then we also have Josh Kennedy, who is the head coach um, of their uh, platform that we're going to discuss because they have an online platform. And Josh is an actor. He's the host of Fit Over 30 podcast. Um, and again, he is a NASM certified personal trainer. He has all the background that we have, which is super exciting. So that's one of the reasons I think we connected so well. And I'm really excited to bring both of these guys on. All right. No, it's it's uh, it's going to be good having these two. All right. Here we go. Hey. How are y'all doing? I, 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 we are good. We are good. So we've got we've got um, James in Wales, right? Are you in Austria? I, I'm in <laughs> Wales right now. Definitely in Wales. Yes. I've got my Starbucks Cardiff mug, which is saying here, it's, it's spelled Cardiff. That's the Welsh word of saying Cardiff in Welsh. So, uh, yep, I'm very firmly in the heartland of Wales. It's a, it's a strange old place here, for those who don't know. We yeah, speak you're... a funny language, too. You need, to put, you need to put a stronger accent on that, James, because Wendy said oh, yeah, you okay. sounded Welsh. So. Sorry, I'll, I'll put on an accent now, so it sounds a lot better when I speak like this. There you go. Uh, yeah, not so much. Not <laughs> and then, Josh, you're outside of Manchester, is that correct? That is correct. Yep, yep. I... Used to live in London and now moved up to um, uh, just outside of Manchester. Very nice. Very nice. And Josh, you know, we understand if, if you sneak in a couple of yawns in there, we know you got a little one in the house. Yeah, so, we've got a two months old. Forgiven. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's starting to sleep a bit more now. So getting a little, getting a little bit more sleep, which is nice. That's awesome. awesome. All right. Well, let, let me start off by saying, you know, how we met and how we how we came across uh, both you, uh, James and Josh, is that, uh, you know, just randomly at the entrance of the hotel that we were all staying at. Again, as Wendy mentioned, we were um, all presenting at uh, Perform Better Europe uh, outside of Munich in um, Green, Grenwald. How do you say it there, James? Grenwald. Grenwald. Okay. That's why that's that's actually why we've got James on here. So any German references, we've got uh, we've got him to chime in. But uh, here we are, you know. And and the the funniest part of it, as I was thinking about this last night, was um, you know the story was that you're going to return a car and then walk back to the hotel. And in our conversation, you said that's yeah, just about a ten minute drive. And of course, in my head. I'm thinking, okay, if you're driving 10 minutes out and you're walking back, uh, <laughs> that's going to be a little bit of a hike for, what was it, six o'clock at night. And uh, he goes, it's okay, I'm European. So <laughs> from there, I was like, you're right, you're right. You know, for most of us, we'd call somebody, hey, can you, can you, I'll wait two hours, but can you, can you come pick me up? Yes. And I will say my my fondest memory of how we met not only was listening and kind of laughing about the car incident was the morning, the next morning I had to present and I was going through um, my bag and realized that I had forgotten my clicker. I had left it on my desk at home in the States and here I am in Germany. First time presenting um, was one of the only females that was presenting. So I was a little nervous on that standpoint. And I'm like, hey, I don't really know these guys, but I did speak to them <laughs> yesterday. I go up to their table in the middle of breakfast, 
barge in and say, hey, I know you don't know me, but can I borrow your clicker? And you guys with the sweetest hearts that you had were like, you can borrow whatever you need. And so my anxiety level went down. And from then you became my best friends because you also helped guide Ken and I through Germany because, you know, James is a man of many languages. If you guys don't know, he can speak basically everything. And so he got <laughs> us through, through um, our entire trip there. Oh, it was awesome. I, I, I still I remember that first night because we because we, when we walked down the stairs as we just checked in and we saw you guys and the first thing I said to Josh was, I bet they're American. Let's go and chat to them quickly. <laughs> that was it. And that's how it all started. Of course, of course you were. And then, yeah, exactly. That walk back took us 55, I think, minutes, Josh, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was about that. To yeah. get back. It was a lovely, it was a nice stroll. It was a nice night, wasn't it? It was, yeah. and we saw we saw parts of Grunwald that we will never see again, and we realised that we went, we went down a whole street where there's Ferraris, Bentleys, Mercedes. Yeah. Like it was like a whole part we'd never seen hidden way as well. So it was a, yeah. it was I an think interesting it was a walk party back. going on that night as well, wasn't it? It was as well. You know, one of the it houses. <laughs> <laughs> I Definitely. love it. I love that it. Well, those good. of you guys that are just joining us today, we have two incredible. Um, people joining us. We have James Breeze joining us and Josh Kennedy. They're both from Strength Matters. They do a podcast we are going to get into and discuss. So thank you, myself as Wendy Bass and Ken Miller um, for joining us on Random Fit. And, uh, you know, I have to ask the questions and either one of you guys can respond because I don't know who would be best to answer this question. But, if, you know, because you guys travel the world and you've seen it all and you've done a ton of presentations for Perform Better Europe, um, what would you say is the biggest differences that you see, um, you know, with American personal training compared to, you know, what you've seen in other countries? Um, yeah, sure, Josh, I'll, I'll take this. Yeah, go, it's, go for it. Yeah, so, uh, it, honestly, um, and I say this all the time, I would argue that personal trainers in America are about five to 10 years ahead of their training knowledge than most parts of the world. And that's quite a controversial statement, and I don't mean that with any disrespect to any other trainers around the world. But in America, you have so much access to so many great content, so many, you're geared culturally to invest in education, and you want to mm. learn, you have some access to some amazing speakers on your doorstep, and it's not as far to travel. Um, and I'd say that is the biggest difference is here is that you're kind of pushing the boat a little bit, like you're, you're pushing the envelope a little bit further and here and then the rest of the world is slightly coming to catch up. It's one of the reasons why I spent most of my years learning and going, traveling to America to learn from over there. And that's, that's the biggest difference. Again, I, I don't mean that with any disrespect to anywhere else in the world, but you're at the forefront of training, health and fitness and everything is, it's, it's been around in professional sports a lot longer too. So you can pull that information around and, and dive into that. And we're just playing a little bit of catch up, I think, around yeah. the rest of the world. So it's kudos to you guys. I think there's so many things you guys are ahead of. Um, I'd argue sometimes maybe aerobic endurance and aerobic capacity, maybe what we Europeans excel at a little bit better because it's culturally with us. But apart from that, like I'd argue that I've learned all my strength training knowledge from you guys in yeah. America. And that's a big thank you to you lot. I'd agree. Definitely. Yes. Definitely. Well, and Josh, you have your NASM CPT. So how did, you know, with you being where you are, you know, kind of in the, the London area, what made you decide to get your certification through NASM? We had a lot of options. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was, I was an actor at the time, um, always been into health and fitness. I was done martial arts uh, for many, many years. Um, and it, it's tough being an actor in London. Uh, it's not an easy career. And I was sick of sort of uh, the, the day jobs, trying to make ends meet. And a few of my actor friends were also personal trainers. Um, and it fitted well around the lifestyle because, you, you know, you could do one-to-one -one in, in your own schedule, your own time, while still making room for auditions and, and stuff like that. So um, I decided to just sort of look up personal training. There was one... Uh, 20 minutes on the tube down uh, down the road with Premier Fitness, and they just happened to be a global partner of NASM. Um, so that was part of the qualification. Um, we didn't do enough of it, I have to say. It was sort of time crunched, I would say, the uh, the qualification was. Um, and we sort of did, uh, did the NASM part towards the end, and I wish we'd done more of it because um, it, uh, it, was, it was excellent uh, stuff. I, I, I mean, you know... The qualification in itself was was very very good but now having met you guys again i came back and i 
got my NASM textbook out and started going back over things that I'd sort of <laughs> forgotten that I'd learned. And I was like, oh, now it makes, now I'm a more experienced trainer. It makes more sense. Whereas at the time I was a bit like, whoa, I'm learning so much stuff. Maybe some of it's gone over my head. But now meeting you guys, going back over it, you know, it's uh, it, it's really great stuff. And it's very similar. Um, we've come at it from different angles, but it's very similar to the Strength Matters um, system, I would say. Yeah, and I want to I want to say that yeah, since you had gone through NASM some some time ago, I think in our last discussion, you know, the the materials have been updated. And just to circle back around to you, James, when you talk about the differences between the U.S. and Europe, where I guess European European training has been more cardio and conditioning based, right? Which is one of those things that has changed and has been updated within our within our textbook material. We have a a common associate in, in Josh down in uh, down in Southern California. Yeah. And one of the things that he did tell me was he goes, yeah, I, you know, I went through their, I went through their, I'm going through their program and, you know, great stuff, great guys um, that, you know, they listen and, you know, they, they have their measurements as far as what they look at, as far as metrics on what to improve. But he goes, he says to me, he goes, yeah, they have, they have, they have a, they have quite a bit of cardio and, in my program, <laughs> Josh, you got to study, you know, Josh in, in California down, from, you know, he's like, yeah, you guys are telling them you got to pick it up, buddy. You got you to do a little bit more cardio. And I go, yeah, they kind of let on that, you know, a little bit more conditioning bias mm -hmm. when it comes to the to the workout plan, as far as how you guys look at one of the components that you guys look at when it comes to programming for your clientele. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, it's interesting that that is because I, I almost don't see it as conditioning because I've just grown up be, living in Wales and doing the sports that we do. But it wasn't until like I used to live in San Diego and I share this story quite often is that, um, you know, I try to walk to the shops or I used to walk to different mm. places. And every time I try to walk somewhere, like the the pavement or the sidewalk, uh, sorry, I, I make sure I use the right terminology here now, the sidewalk would come to an end. And I'm like, I want to walk over there, but I can't walk over there because there's a big freeway in the way. Or like, and people just look at me going, why are you walking everywhere? It's like, because it's only a 15, 20 minute walk. And they're like, yeah, but you can drive it in two. It's like, yeah, but I can walk it in 20. And that's like, that, that was one of the biggest things I saw. And then the second thing was, I used to go hiking a lot around the mountains of San Diego and a lot of my American friends there were awesome guys. You know, we'd have so much fun. They go, yeah, we'll go hiking too. And then sometimes they say to me, yeah, James, we don't want to go hiking with you today because you're too fast. When, what do you mean I'm too fast? That doesn't count. I can slow down. Because yeah, but like when we're huffing and puffing and you're still walking, it's like, it, I feel bad. So I'm like, I, I don't want to walk with you anymore. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, but that's just, the, that's just the European nature. It's like there's, there's psychopaths everywhere. There's, you walk into town a lot, for example. Um, you know, there's so many good different places, so many great things you can do and be able to do that. But in the States, culturally, you don't have that unless you live in, say, New York or D.C., where public transport and walking mm. is a big thing. And, and when we looked into data with some of our clients uh, about four or five years ago, what we found was the average uh, European is walking about seven to eight thousand steps a day. And that's from all abilities, you know, like people who are you know overweight, need to lose weight. And into some of our more advanced athletes, that's between the two of them, it's about seven to eight thousand steps. Whereas our American counterparts, excluding New York, DC, and Chicago, where we have a lot of clients there, um, you know, the average steps are about just under three thousand, yeah. uh, and that was that's a significant yeah. difference. Um, that was a big difference. Sorry, James. That was a big difference we noticed between performance clients and our sort of weight loss, fat loss clients, wasn't it? That's where when we yeah. got all the data together. Um, which is what we, we love. We both love data. We're big data geeks, James and I. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we compiled the, uh, the the scoring system and stuff. That was the major difference we noticed between, or one of the major differences we noticed between performance clients um, and, and fat loss clients, that they were, the fat loss clients were only doing, you know, around three and a half, three thousand steps um, per day. And actually on that, James, what, remind me, where was the San Diego hotel where we did the last Strength Matters conference it was the, it was the marriott down in the, um mission valley mission valley because i tried to walk from mission valley to pacific beach yeah. it was only about two or three miles on the map and it looked easily doable it it definitely wasn't doable no. you gotta you gotta, you gotta climb through some uh, golf courses and yeah. uh, back backs of hotel 
I only yeah, know that because that's in a marina and had to get a, uh, yeah. a taxi in the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can leapfrog across the uh, the the freeway, but uh, yeah. that's it. That yeah. doesn't work out. No, nope, it doesn't. <laughs> so, uh, if you're just joining us here on Random Fit, uh, both Wendy Batts and I, Ken Miller, are with our friends uh, that we met out in uh, Germany for uh, Perform Better in Europe, uh, James Breeze and Josh Kennedy, and we are talking about fitness at this point. We're talking about the differences. Uh, that we found, and they're explaining to us, you know, their experiences, you know, the differences between European or trainers around the world and the U.S. So very enlightening stuff, guys, just because, you know, not, you know, and and yeah, Wendy and I are, are both, um, you know, acknowledging the fact that, yeah, here in the U.S., you know, things are a little bit different when you talk about the steps and, uh, you know, of, of what you would do somewhere else versus here. Um, where we are in the continental U.S., where the, you know, getting people to just go outside, take a walk, you know, that's yeah. you know, something that we discussed when we were together. It's just, okay, are you sleeping? Are you drinking water? And are you, are you going for a walk? You know, when you think about just the most fundamental things that we can do to maintain health and wellness is just sleep well, drink a lot of water, and go out for a walk. And, and those things that you're pointing out as far as the amount of steps and the level of conditioning that is reflective of those statistics that you bring up, I mean, can be remedied with just the simplest of all things, you know, as far as just go outside and don't depend on transportation as much as we do right now. Yeah, but, but also I, I totally understand it because in you know structurally in in the states you you're, you've you've got amazing road networks like as in like it goes from A to B. There's no twisty turvy ways like the UK. Like you know, your your, your infrastructure is designed to get from A to B as quickly as possible, unless there's heavy traffic and like around LA, for example. Um, but like you can, you've got those infrastructure here. So, but we we designed for public transport as well. So it, it is hard. I totally understand it. Like if you haven't got the infrastructure around you to be able to go for a walk and get out here, it is going to be hard. So it's it's a case of having to drive to somewhere like a park or any national park or somewhere to get your steps in. And we totally understand that too. And again, that's just a cultural thing that we've had to learn from listen, listening to our clients, listening to people um, in the States as well to try and match up because it's easy for us to say, hey, go for a walk because we can. I can go outside my house right now. I can walk into this in, into downtown in, in 30 minutes and I'm, it's all good because it's, it's like an infrastructure. I can get my bike and get down in six minutes. But there's an infrastructure for that, like the rest of Europe pretty much. But it doesn't always happen uh, in certain parts of the States. And we totally appreciate that. Yeah, we definitely cannot do that in Atlanta. Um, I will tell you that from where I live. Now, granted, um, you know, neighborhoods and we have, you know, walking paths and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I drive to the gym and the gym's two and a half miles away. So I probably, <laughs> I should probably re rethink maybe what I'm doing. But I think too, on a scheduling standpoint, you know, we, and, and I, am, I fall victim to this, um, we over schedule ourselves. And so everything is minute by minute, um, you know, where we don't think we have enough of the free time. So that was one thing that I did love about Germany. We were walking everywhere. It was so hot because of the heat wave that was going on there. And that was a, you know, when you walk in and you're so used to air conditioning, I mean, you know, in the States, we take that for granted. <laughs> And I go there and I mean, it, my room was 90 degrees and I was like asking for any kind of breeze. And they're like, nope, this is it. Like no, there's no, there's a heater, which was, I guess, great, you know, in the winter. But, um, but it was very eye opening. And again, I love to go to different countries and learn their culture. And, and obviously I did not do well trying to speak German, just so you guys know, I made, I did make a few attempts and after getting shut down, that did not go so well, but, um, you know, before, you know, we kind of get into, um, you know, again, I can talk about our experience with you guys and how much fun we had. But, you know, for our listeners, can you guys talk to us a little bit? You know, we keep talking about strength matters and you're talking about your your clientele. Can you go in a little bit about your company and what you do and why you decided that this was your path? James, yeah. I think this is definitely one for you uh, <laughs> field as, as, the, as the CEO. <laughs> there you go. I love that. Yeah, so um, quite interesting. Like it's it's funny. I never ever thought I'd be working in the fitness industry. I I never thought I would be. Um, when I was growing up, all I wanted to be do was be an athlete. I wanted to be a professional cricketer, and if I couldn't be a professional cricketer, I was trying to be a professional footballer or soccer player. That was kind of my two things. So I got pretty high level. I was lucky enough to represent my country 
um, up to up to under 21s and that was all fantastic and then for whatever reason I went to college did languages uh, as my first degree because it was easy and I could play more sport um, that was gen genuinely one of the only reasons why I did it and did a master's in computer science because I thought computer science sounds kind of, kind of cool worst decision I ever made uh, but it got it, it led me into a, a couple of ski seasons I did ski seasons and then through that, I actually joined the police. I was in the police force for 10 years in London, um, working on various different units inside there. But that's how I found fitness because through injury and hurting my back, like part of our unit had to train for an hour a day. And um, what, we ha what happened was we were all getting injured because we didn't know what we were doing. You know, to put it, put it mildly, we we're a bunch of meatheads going in and it was international bench press competition every single day of the week. Like we thought that's the, how you train, you bench, you back squat, you deadlift. That's, that's kind of what we did. Um, but we were all getting really injured from it because it was just the lifestyle, the, the, the kit we had to carry. It was just, we all had bad backs, bad hips and bad ankles, you know, surprisingly enough, which I know now. Um, so I then pitched to the idea to one of my bosses, hey, I think I can train these guys better, mostly because I wanted to fix myself and learn how to fix myself because I just couldn't get it fixed properly. And he said, yeah, okay. And that was it. That was the start of me being allowed to travel the world, learn all these different education courses and bring it back in-house towards the police. Now, I was lucky enough, that's, that's my, that's, that was my graph. That's where my, I learned my trade. It wasn't in a gym... Uh, working with clients uh, per se, it was literally working with police officers of, the, of some of the elite kind of units and helping them get fitter, get stronger, move better uh, in there. And then once I started doing this more and more and people started asking how we were doing things, uh, it then led to like a, a business opportunity where we go, do you know what? I can do this uh, part-time. And then it turned from part-time into full-time. But it wasn't called Strength Matters back at the start. We were doing a lot of work with kettlebells and it became Kettlebell Fever. That's the name of the company to begin with, Kettlebell Fever. Um, and then one day I put Strength Matters on a t-shirt and we sold more t-shirt with Strength Matters on in literally a week than we had in the whole year of Kettlebell Fever. And I went, hmm, there's something in this name. And we were already so much more than, than kettlebells. And that's kind of how the Strength Matters thing came about. Now, funnily enough, we didn't always start working with clients. We actually ended up doing a lot of work with trainers and coaches because they wanted to know what we were doing and how we were doing it. So we went down the path of education uh, for, for trainers to begin with. But then around 2016, we realized, I also realized as well, that my passion was actually helping people. I miss coaching people. I love, I love working with trainers. I love working with coaches and sharing what we're doing and learning from them as well. Like I love being at your presentations, uh, Ken and Wendy, like yeah. to learn, because I always try and do that, to learn as much as I can from everybody when I'm speaking at events. But I, I kind of missed working with the everyday person because I thought the information we had was so important to share with these guys too. And so around 2016, with the emergence of technology, seeing how like you don't have to train people with spreadsheets anymore, there's, there's software coming on here now. I went, ah, oh, do you know what? That's, we're ahead of the game here. No one really knows about this yet. How do you find a way to like combine online training with in-person training? And then it kind of blew up from there. So like the company started from around that, it led into here. So today now we're doing 90% consumer B2C, and then we're doing the occasional B2B as in the sense of working with coaches, working with trainers, speaking at conferences, doing the occasional workshop uh, in, at the moment here. But we've, what we've done is created the system where it allows people to work with people online as well as in person. And we've been doing this since 2016. So when the pandemic hit, uh, when everyone was forced to shut their gyms and work from home and they had to go and do all these Zoom calls, we were very fortunate because we'd been going through that for four or five years previously and we'd already found our system. So we were, we were insulated a little bit from the effect of what it had on everybody else. So that's kind of where, so Strength Matters now is more about helping people over 30, lose weight, get stronger, live better. That's our niche because there's so many great experts on teaching people how to be elite. Whereas I think the over 30 crowd who, I, I was one of these people as well, because it started from me. Like I was like, hey, I'm in my 30s. I should be training like I was when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. Uh, but I did, I was getting injured all the time. And that was the issue I found when I was in the police. And then now I realized, do you know what? We can get back to people being more athletic in nature, but we've just got to train a little bit smarter and a little, think a little bit differently in terms of health, because that's the mantra we try and push. Health comes first. 
because it's about doing stuff that you enjoy, the sports, the lifestyle you have and leading until you're about 100 years old, if, you, if you've won the genetic lottery, that is. And that's my goal. My, my personal goal is to still be snowboarding when I'm 100 years old. That's my absolute my, my goal. But to do that, I've got to put health first to get me to, towards there. It's not about being elite and getting as fast as you possibly can. I've got to be healthy. And we talk about the cardio stuff, what we just talked about before. Heart disease is still the biggest killer in the world. You need a strong ticker to be able to help you get towards that thing. And that's kind of where our angle is, is kind of touched on. It's not because we want to beast you with cardio and we, we, we want to be mean and nasty to you and make you do cardio. It's no, no, it's we want you to have a really strong heart to give you the best possible chance to be healthy so you can keep doing the stuff that you love doing as long as possible. So in a roundabout kind of way, that's what how Strength and I started up. And then Josh came along, he came to one of our workshops and courses. Um, then an idea came about with a podcast and here he is now as head coach. Um, 10 years later, is it Josh? Probably? Uh, not quite, not quite 10 years, close to. We're, we're getting there now. Yeah, yeah we're getting there. <laughs> Josh, yeah, that's yeah. a long time to hang out with this guy, dude. I know. <laughs> I know. Do you feel bad for me? It's <laughs> terrible. Now, I will say that after meeting you guys and, um, you know, going through your, your materials, like your, your, your podcast, I had to go back quite a ways to look at, you know, your first episodes, mm. right? Because you guys were doing this for a long time before podcasting became popular, as, you know, yeah. especially when, you know, like you mentioned there, James, you know, after, you know, the, the pandemic shutdown initially, you know, people are sitting at their homes, you know, okay, how am I going to make money or what am I going to do? Um, and everybody hit the, you know, hit the internet with, with podcasts. But as I was looking through your history, I was like, wow, you guys have been doing this for a long time. And then as, as I was looking through um, your materials, you guys were number one for a little bit with, uh, with Apple as far as um, podcasting yeah. goes. So kudos to you guys for getting on that and doing such a great job because there's not one episode that I haven't. Once I start it, I got to finish an episode. <laughs> yes. How far back have you gone, Ken? Have you gone the whole the whole way back? Well, I, I only have so much time. <laughs> I'm like I'm just but he, I'm picking and choosing uh, yeah. some of your some of your some of your topics. But here's 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 the funny thing: what people don't realize is we deleted 180 episodes from the podcast <laughs> because well in that 2015 2016 reset, like we had a big epiphany with like actually how we train people and what we're doing. So we realized the stuff we were talking about before is no longer relevant. It's actually old data. So our first podcast, I think it was 2012, 13, I think it was that long ago when we, when we did it and we deleted all those podcasts. And it's like, wow. people, some, some people still ask us like, Hey, did we just look at those podcasts? And like they're hidden away, tucked away somewhere. But it's the, um, we realized that we needed a big reset yeah. in what we were doing and, how, and our message that we're bringing across. So once you've got through all like a, a hundred or so episodes now, I'll, I may give you the secret link to all the other 150 other episodes yeah, yeah. too, Ken. Well, I have to get through your, your PDFs and, and a lot, you know, we haven't even talked about, you know, the magazine that you guys have put out and definitely um, kudos to you guys again on, on that, because not only do you, are you producing frequently, but I mean, we're talking about some pretty comprehensive stuff. I mean, I, I you know, I don't know how you're sourcing out some of that information but uh you know you guys are definitely doing a lot of work when it comes to <laughs> exactly mine's a pdf on my pleasure. yeah <laughs> actually i have it here somewhere and those of you guys that are just joining us on random fit today I, myself wendy bats and my co-host ken miller we have two incredible guests um, James Breeze and Josh Kennedy joining us from Strength Matters. And again, we've talked about how we've met. We've talked a little bit about the history of, well, the differences in personal training worldwide, but then also to how Strength Matters came to be. And then, you know, I think my next question that I have, and again, you know, this is maybe something more for you, Josh, because again, with your, your training and your background, you know, being a personal trainer physically and then going through the program and then now obviously doing what you do online with the virtual training and the concepts and working with these individuals. Obviously, that became a big thing in the States when the pandemic hit. It was everyone wasn't prepared for that. So they're like, oh, my goodness. And now we've got to, like, change what we were doing on the fly. And everyone had to go virtual, which, you know, for you guys was something you've been doing, like you said, since 2016. <clears throat> 
So where do you see now, you know, I'm not saying the pandemic's over because, you know, (laughs) all these bouts of everything, but now that people are kind of getting back into, you know, being, um, you know, moving around the country again, traveling and getting out, where do you see virtual training and coaching going? Do you see it here forever? Do you see it, you know, people kind of getting burnout and now just wanting to go back to face to face? Like, how does that work for you guys? I think it's going to, it is going to be around um, forever. And for me, it's probably a hybrid model. So, you, you know, you can have the best of both worlds. You can do your, um, your one-to-one, two, three, however many uh, times a week. And then you've got the advantage with all the great software um, out there. Like we use um, True Coach. You can interact with your clients seven days a week, 365 days uh of the year if you want to and it's much you know much more comprehensive than the old style of sending spreadsheets and stuff like that you've got depending on where your clients are in the world of course because you've got the time difference but you you know you can talk to them um live you know there's video call catch-ups we try to have a video catch-up once a month with with most clients if we can i think it's definitely a it's definitely here to stay online training i I would say because it gives you the best um the best of both worlds very nice. I still do both. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think this is the key. I keep saying to people, look at look at Amazon as the best yeah. example, the biggest online retailer in the world. Yet they still have bookstores up and up and down in certain cities, and they're now doing Amazon Fresh, which is their daily produce. So, the, you know, people love people are social beings, or most people are social beings. They love that interaction, and fitness is is meant to be fun. So you've still got to have that interactive ability. However, however, the thing I keep saying to people now is that people's habits have changed. There's a lot of working from home now mm. where people are not traveling to the office. Uh, so, uh, you know, for rightly or wrongly, the, the pandemic has shifted people's lives and the way they think and the way we go about doing certain things. So is it the end of in-person training? Absolutely not. You know, there's a bigger need for in-person training, I think, than ever before. However, people's lifestyles have slightly changed now. So you've got to understand, you, You've got to adapt to that. Like any yeah. in any 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 industry, you've got to adapt to the way society starts to go and where it starts. I mean, it's like it's like the classic blockbuster and Netflix type thing. <laughs> like blockbusters didn't see, didn't see the need for streaming services. Netflix did, and then I, wow, mi- I missed blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, I, I did too actually. Be kind, please rewind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like it was it was great seeing it in Captain Marvel. Actually, seeing the blockbuster, you know, it was like it was kind of nostalgic. Yeah seeing that yeah. but like i think that's really important it's, it's, it's you've got to combine both and yeah. what works in person doesn't work online and but there's a hybrid version and we've done this and that's the key thing here so lots of the great assessments that say nasm use and do we you know we've used actually and i've used inadvertently because i didn't realize it was part of the nasm curriculum because i've unfortunately i've never and i that's not where i learned my trade whereas josh now opened the test and goes hey yeah it's very similar, similar to hear what you do in person We've had to come up with nifty ways to get around it, to make it more applicable for people at home and creating these assessments where like, okay, people can do it in their own home, but we still get the right information um, that we need from those assessments. Cause you know, you just need those, you need to assess, otherwise you're just guessing. And yeah. that's, that's the key element here. But, but the classic assessments, um, where let's take FMS as an example, the deep squat sip test or the inline lunge, not everyone has an FMS testing kit lying around as a very good example. You've got to come up with ways to get around that to say, okay, well, how do I test their deep squats? How do I, how do I test their active straight leg race or little things like that? And that's the difference is adapting it to in-person where they can do those assessments without, um, without messing up and without making sure you get the right information so you can do it. Cause again, nothing beats eyeballing when somebody walks in to see you as a client. You know, like you can, you can just tell when someone walks into you, you can just say their gait pattern, you can see everything. You just don't get that information online, unfortunately. Right. So I do want to talk more about the training side because you guys have a, a, have a workshop coming up, right? A certification course coming up in Germany. Yeah. Uh, If I was just on the other side of the pond, I'd I'd definitely be there. Uh, (laughs) Right around the corner. (laughs) Yeah. 12 hour flight away. Um, but the one thing I want to talk about, you can talk about uh, assessments and, and measurements and, and from the training side of things, you know what, you know, and, and again, you have your course coming up. So there's going to be a lot of trainers that are going to benefit from your information, especially when it comes to online training. But um, 
with all the assessments out there, what are what are some of the key matrices that you see that that you try to, you know, emphasize with trainers as far as okay, what's what are some of the more important things? Like we mentioned, our friend Josh, and as far as his getting his cardio up, right? Yeah. He's doing it, but you know he's got to get it up there. And and from a resistance training, that's no problem. But how you know what is it that you're teaching, or what are some of your philosophies and in training that tells you, okay, this is important or this is more important than that. And again, before you guys answer that, I just want to say that for those of you listening to us on Random Fit, we're here with our friends from Strength Matters with Josh Kennedy and James Breeze. And we're talking about training here. And and as far as where we are right now, we're talking about online training and what trainers should know or need to know when it comes to working with someone virtually. Awesome. So uh josh i'll start and i think you can take this on as well so sure. yeah, yeah. we can give us two ideas so so the first thing is that when i for me personally call it the computer science background in me i like to think logically and i need to see ideas and think okay well what's the definitive answer to this so when i was like injured in the police and i want i've been athletic before i was like no longer athletic i was like well how do i become athletic again so the first thing I wanted to do in my head was define what is athleticism. And there was no real definition. It's very wishy-washy. There's no definitive things around it. There's lots of ideas and concepts which are great. But if you ask anybody what is athleticism, it's going to mean something different to them. So the first thing I, I, we try and do is look, we'll define what athleticism is. And we define it as having 10 key components. So we have uh, mobility, you know, mobility, stability, bounce and coordination strength and aerobic capacity then you have speed power agility and anaerobic capacity and then we have this thing called mental resilience because you need to, you might your mind needs to be just as strong to go through some of the workouts and we create like a layer system layer one layer two layer three because all of those components are important however you need to have a base like a, a solid base and get you to the top of those platforms now preceding all this and this is the biggest thing that i keep going back to and we say our mantra is health comes first the biggest thing that we're trying to get across to people is that, okay, it's all well and good if you're over 30 and you want to, you know, be super fast and you want to try and run a fast 40-yard dash or if you want to be to do all this wonderful explosive power. But it doesn't matter if you haven't got your health because sadly, Father Time is catching up with us now and we've got to start thinking a bit, a little bit differently. Like, great, I can bench press... 500 pounds whatever it is or i can like run a sub four 40 yard dash whatever you know whatever you want to call it sort of thing that's i got crazy number that's great however we've got to address the basics of life because once you're over 30 family work life kids um start to creep up and they take a big toll in your life and then the, the fifth thing is yeah we've got to start looking about health like because if you haven't got your health you haven't got anything so when it comes back to the matrices and looking at this we go right do you know what or as, as personal trainers, as coaches, we nerd out. We love the data. We love seeing how people well move. We love to know someone's ankle dorsiflexion, plantar flexion. We love to see thoracic rotate. We love all this stuff. We geek out about it. However, sometimes we forget about the most important things, which comes back to your health. What are the markers that's going to help you lead a healthier, longer life? So that's what we try and come back to first and foremost. It's like, what are they? And sadly, it comes to basics of, you know, what is your body fat percentage? You know, are you within healthy ranges here? Let's just make sure we keep an eye on this. Let's look at how healthy your heart is. What is your resting heart rate? Um, what is your active heart rate? Something super simple that we, we kind of neglected as well as coaches and trainers. Mm. Um, but something as simple as that is like, because what we're seeing is so many people coming to us uh, who with resting heart rates of over 70 beats per minute. And, you know, that, that's an issue. It's, it's, it's a big issue. Now, there's all many reasons why it could be that high in the first place. But generally speaking, you know, having a high active heart rate is not healthy for you long term. But how do you get that? Well, it comes back to the simple cardio thing. Now, I'm not saying you should go and pound the pavement and start doing marathons. Like, I'm not, I'm not about that. It's not, it's not what we're trying to say. It comes to something even more fundamental than that. It comes back to the walking. So when we're talking about important tests for us, I would argue the most important test that we do is what we call our 20 minute walk test is that can you walk one and a half miles in 20 minutes? Because it's the precursor to see if you have some form of base, aerobic base, 
but it also shows that if do you have the speed to walk up because the studies are all pointing out that you know to live a long healthy life and all the thousands of people they put the studies on is you should be able to walk four and a half, four miles an hour like consistently so in a 20 minute space we don't want to get people walking for an hour but we want to try and get it into a shorter space you know we, we will progress them to an hour like and we'll start doing all these weighted walk tests and stuff like this but the first test is can you walk 1.5 miles in 20 minutes the answer even with the fittest people that we know is usually a resounding no isn't that right josh yeah most most of the time uh you know the the, the fittest people we probably have a small percentage who do pass it first time and it may not it may only take them one more go uh, to pass the 20 minute walk test but more often than not most of our clients who are over 30 they they don't pass the 20 minute walk test um initially and as james said before in terms of like data health health coming first um is what we what we always look at before we go into the layer one layer two layer three uh stuff and it's resting heart rate like you said you know uh, body fat percentage waist to height ratio yeah. uh, active heart rate uh brazilian sit and rise test i presume you guys are familiar with that and the reason we like these things is because there's pretty irrefutable data to back up this stuff and we are we like data we are science geeks we need to for me i need it to be backed up by research james comes along and says we should do this we should try this and i i'm always like why where <laughs> where is show me the research that tells me why we should be doing this so if something like let's say because we haven't mentioned it the brazilian sit and rise test hundreds of thousands of data points which show you know uh, i can't remember exactly what the number is but if you obviously 10 is a perfect score when you the, if you get nine or eight or seven it knocks off a, a number of years off your expected mortality um, so when we look at that, and if somebody scores a six, when we get them to do that in the test, that's a pretty big red flag for us. Uh, so it, it doesn't matter whether they want to go and do back squats. It's like, well, we need to start looking at these more important things because we want you to be fit and active when you're 80, 100 years old. So that's, that's yeah, that's the most important thing for us. And just, just to tie into it, just a, re a real life case study on that thing here. So we've had a couple of guys um, guys, specifically, you know, men, um, yeah. and there's, I've this by this one guy. He's he's asked me to keep himself, keep him anonymous. This was like two years ago, um, and he was he was a coach, he was a trainer, he was a powerlifter, and he came to us specifically because he wanted to improve his numbers in the big three. Um, I don't know why he came to us because we're not specialists in powerlifting, uh, but he came to us anyway. And said, hey, I want to try some of your system out. I want to try and improve the big three lifts. I said, okay, great, but first things first, let's uh, put you through the assessments. Now his assessments came back. And just to get just to talk on the health data alone, it came back as his waist to height ratio was about 0.61, which was considerably over the markers that we need to see it um, for that side of things. He had a resting heart rate of 81 beats per minute, and he had an active heart rate of 148 beats per minute. Wow. His body fat percentage, if I remember correctly, was touching 40%. I think it was a 39-40%. Yet he still wanted to lift all this data. Now the first thing I said to him was, hey, you need to go and see a, a medical professional, right? We're not gonna work with you until you do this and it's really important. Here's why, I think there's something maybe wrong, we need to look at blood pressure. He got checked out, two days later, he was in hospital having um, heart, um, heart treatment. Uh, I can't remember the treatment he had off the top of my head, but he had to have that because he was on the verge of having a heart attack. He had all his, everything was clogged up. He was in, a, he was in bad shape. Now, luckily enough, he came back to us 12 months later <laughs> and he started training with us after this and working on different things. But it was that from that initial data, like so, it sounds something so basic and so simple we asked him to do that we said, hey, we think you should get checked out by a medical professional. It led to this. Yeah. And it, I'm not saying it saved his life, but, you know, it, it was one of those things. It was a big eye opener for us to go, hey, did you know what? This information is so important. And we've seen more of it. Nothing quite as extreme as that, but we've seen quite a few people from uh, similar data, particularly with blood pressure. Yeah. Um, after they come back on, yeah, it's sky high, and the doctors have gone, hey, you need to take some medication. And we've had so many cases of that who they weren't even aware that it was a potential issue from there. Yeah. So it's roundabout kind of way. Like I know, I know a lot of trainers probably want to go, yes, yeah, let's go into the super secret of how to do speed, agility, strength, anaerobic <laughs> capacity. I get, I get that, I love that stuff. You know, me and Josh at the moment are really diving into the world of speed and power yeah. development for people over 30. That, that's our little geeky stuff at the moment. But bring it right back down. 
And like I promise you, like for most people, it's the health side of things they're neglecting. And it's the, it's the big, they go for the big shiny object at the top. Whereas if they just fix this, everything else would naturally improve over time anyway. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's one of the reasons why I know Ken and myself, I mean, you know, that's one of the reasons we do this for a living is because we want to improve people's health. We want to help them through their fitness journeys. And I mean, I've been in similar situations doing different assessments or just basic exercises when somebody gets up and they're lightheaded and, mm. you know, they have no yeah. reason or rationale. And, and the same thing, I had that happen and I've shared this on a podcast before, someone actually had a brain aneurysm going on i sent her straight to the hospital and again totally fine now but at that point if she would have thrown that she would have been dead on the spot and um and so i think you know looking at indicators looking at assessments building programs for everyone i think is super super important and um you know i, I mean we can talk to you guys all day i have one mm -hmm. one final question i would like to ask you guys i mean it's kind of like a parting question and and um i kind of like to get both of your opinions but you know based on what we've talked about this far based on your company based on what you're seeing working with trainers and then of course you know working with all the population over 30 that you do um where do you see like um kind of the future of fitness going especially for trainers like you know if you had to say this is this is my opinion and i'm looking 10 years ahead where do you see all this going josh you can go first oh my god <laughs> It's a loaded oh question. Yeah, throw me in at the deep end. Um, You're welcome. God, I think I'm going to have to take a minute to think about this one. Um, <sighs> that's that's yeah. When do you throw me there? That's a really tough, tough question to answer. I'll... Hopefully, in a in a in a in a very good direction. I would hope. I think the more I think with the internet age now and the, and the data we've got, I would hope that we would only, in terms of our training, Im improve things and we can learn from you know, things we've done in the past that perhaps weren't right. And I think that's what the best trainers do. I know I'm not necessarily answering your question here, Wendy. No, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's what the best trainers do. They they learn and adapt. And, you know, rather than getting stuck um, with, with one modality, one thing, it's like, you know, that's why me and James like going to all these conferences and stuff, because we want to learn from the best people around the, around the world what they're doing and adapt and change our system as we go. So I think... In terms of the the internet and being able to do that nowadays, I hope training will only improve in that sense. Uh, that wasn't the best answer ever, but it's it's all I've got for you right I now. Think it's a I'm going to blame Florence and being tired on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame that baby girl now. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's like yes, yeah, so again, similar to what Josh just said. However, I do think the future is definitely helping people that have a more individualized approach to training. Now, not every, everyone still wants to go to group classes, we totally get that. But if you wanna take somebody to achieve higher levels of fitness, and I'm not saying elite levels, I'm saying getting to the standing point where they could go to elite if they wanted to, you have to bring it down to having an individualized program, um, but taking away the model of, the classic model of personal training which is once twice three times maybe four times or five times a week if you're lucky in person and starting to give autonomy back to the clients so it becomes like a working partnership I think that's that's the future of fitness using technology using a hybrid model of uh, online and in-person training because I think you need both absolutely need both uh, but working along what the, the full spectrum of the week, the 160 plus hours, not just those three, four, five hours. And that was the, always the problem I had when I was doing personal training, when I left the police and started my career as a personal trainer. Like the biggest problem I had was okay, people come and do the workouts, but it wasn't what they're doing in the workouts. It was the other stuff they did. I couldn't control and spreadsheets, messages. It was cumbersome. Like if it's cumbersome and it's difficult to do, people aren't going to do it. But the advent of technology allows us to do this, have a good plan. So the plan now becomes the full 160 plus hours in the week, not just those three hours here. And that's the key to it. And I think that's where the future is going to go. I think we're not there yet. I think people, we're trying to push the envelope and helping people understand that. Uh, but I think in the next 10 years, that's where it's going to go. And I think trainers need to be able to adapt their abilities in person and not just use it here because, you know, lifestyles change. People don't just work from home anymore. It's those sort of things. So that's where I see it going. And that's where we're trying to push the envelope and helping people see that from where we've done from the experience and the mistakes we've made over the last five years and uh i, I want to be the first to say 10 years from now 
<laughs> all four of us are going to be sitting here <laughs> doing another <laughs> podcast and and projecting out the next 10 years from that. But uh, and then I say that uh, uh, from the standpoint that, you know, having met you guys and, and listening to uh, your, your presentations, actually, you know, I think we exchanged more information over dinner and lunch and breakfast than we did uh, exchange information when it came to the actual conference itself. But um, I just want to say that, hey, on on behalf of both Wendy and I, hey, having you guys actually just being able to see your guys' faces again and, and have a couple of giggles. Uh, this is a great day, actually, for me on my side of the world. Uh, great day for me to great way for me to start start my day. So um, I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule. You got a lot to plan for with your conference coming up. But for those of uh, our listeners that have been listening to you guys and are, are resonating with the information that you guys uh, have shared with us, how can they how can they look you guys up? Sure. So the, the simplest and easiest is go to strengthmatters.com. That's the website there. Now, if you know, we got loads of free stuff to give away. We've got free ebooks, we've got free everything. In fact, anybody who wants a free copy of the print magazine, and I, oh. I, and I mean it, they'll get this. Yeah, right here. There we go. Hey, yeah, there we go. I got my Shameless plug. If they want a copy of this magazine for free, and I mean for free, uh, go to strengthmatters.com forward slash inner circle. Um, it's or strengthmatters.com, press the button, try for free. I will ship you a free copy of the magazine in the post so you can read it and see how it's going on. That's the best way to see what we're doing yeah. and how we're doing it. And we'll give you a whole bunch of ebooks uh, as well to go and learn the system. Um, and obviously, our podcast, which you guys will be coming on the guest of. Uh, we just need to nail down the date, hopefully, uh, sometime very soon. Uh, Fit over 30 as the other way as well. Awesome. Indeed, I can't wait to have you guys on the podcast. It'll, uh, it'll be great. <laughs> Yeah, we look forward to, to seeing you guys again, most definitely. So for, for all of us here, uh, you know, uh, on our side of the world, thank you guys again for, for being a part of Random Fit on this episode of, I guess, Strength Matters. And, you know, love your guys' insight. And again, it, you know, we talked about the differences, but the more we talk, um, the more I realize that we're all trying to achieve the same thing. Yeah. So for you listeners out there. Thank you for watching this episode of Random Fit. Again, we had James Breeze and Josh Kennedy spending their time with us and sharing their insights as far as their experience as trainers and coaches uh, with Strength Matters. So if you like what you guys listened to and what you heard today, like, follow, subscribe, comment, let us know what you want to listen to. But until next time, take care and be well. <laughs>